everybody, welcome back to Bringing Down the House. I'm Ja'Kayla Madison, joined alongside my wonderful co-host, Miss Allie Parrish. How are we doing, Allie? Good. I can't believe we are back for episode two. I know, they actually let us come back again. <laughs> they did. You know, we had a podcast, it went live, Spotify, Apple Music, all Apple Podcasts, all those places, yeah. and we did not get taken down. I know. That's saying something right there. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it is a miracle. Uh, and we have someone joining us in the studio, not just yes. our good friend Nora, I got that right, Ooh. not Laura, Nora, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, we have our good friend Andy Conger joining us. Andy, go ahead and uh, say hi to the people for us. Yeah, hello out there. Uh, as he said, Andy Conger, I'm the Neighborhood Services Manager here at Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. And so, Andy, what does a neighborhood services manager? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I, I'm, I'm trying, Andy. I'm trying, man. <laughs> what, do, what does that, what does that job entail? Oh, I'm still trying to figure that out. No, I think they, they intended oh, to give me a... Your boss is sitting right next to you, Andy, so figure it out fast, nice, but... A, nice long cycle, but uh, a year and a half in already. Wow. <laughs> no, it's very, it's very, very deep. Um, it's, it's centered on the idea of kind of leading the initiative with this neighborhood revitalization work that we're getting into, and kind of taking the charge of that and owning it and doing whatever we can to expand on on that side of our affiliate. Wonderful. And Annie's going to be here with us today uh, because we're talking about a very deep topic with a lot of layers. So him and Allie are going to help uh, unpeel these layers. Before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to start off with a wonderful mission moment. Allie, I think you got one for us. Yeah. So this is, you know, we love our mission moments. Um, for somebody just tuning in for the first time, you don't have a clue what a mission moment is. Um, you know, we just like to share good news, positive stories, you know, things that touch our hearts and lives um, in the work of Habitat for Humanity, Iowa Heartland Habitat, and um, that we just, you know, see in, in our daily lives. So um, so one that I wanted to share is, is uh, recently we were doing a board of directors build day out on one of the build sites, and we got to build alongside with a couple of the home buyers that are in our program. And um, I was chatting with one of them and she was uh, had just picked her home assignment and knew what house design it was going to be and all of that. And she was so excited and she's been getting her children involved in some of the sweat equity hours and everything. But she has a younger daughter and her daughter's um, not able to come out and, you know, help on the build site or whatever. Um, so she's been kind of disappointed because she's super excited. Um, but when her mom uh, showed her the house plan and the design for for her home and, and showed her she was going to have her own room and whatever, she got so excited. She started a Pinterest page and started pinning all these uh, bedroom designs that she wanted to uh, have for her for her own room and uh, some Kate Spade and bright colors and pinks and Kelly greens and stripes on the walls and all kinds of really fun things. And um, like that just just totally warmed my heart just to see the joy that a, t- a 10 year old little girl could feel for um, for having her own room and just getting to be excited about getting things picked out already for it. So that was pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. It's always nice when they, they start to take ownership of what will soon be theirs, but exactly. when they start so early, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's Andy, awesome. what about you? Did you have a mission moment to share too? I did. I did. Um, so one small facet of what we've gotten into um, is We've built a handful of aluminum handicap ramps for people who are in need um, to allow them to stay in their home as long as possible. And unfortunately, we did get a call of a gal who we put a ramp on her home. She passed away um, not too long ago, and the family called 
notifying us that they no longer needed said ramp. So we actually went out this past week and collected it. Um, and now having that material back, we were able to purchase a smaller amount of material in order to convert that ramp into another ramp for a guy in town who um, realistically a ramp on his home would have been too expensive to afford and to be able to, to be able to accomplish. So watching, talking to the, the son of the gal, we, we did the ramp for collected it. Um, he was beyond thrilled and proud that with an unfortunate circumstance of his mom passing away. Now we were able to capitalize on that and achieve the same ability for somebody else in town to remain in their home. So he loved the idea of passing it forward and kind of not losing any ground, but rather continuing the movement of, of serving people. Um, so to hear him hear, hearing him talk about that was just phenomenal. I love that, you yeah. know, passing it forward. There's a silver lining in every gray cloud, right? Yeah, that was sure. that silver lining. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love certain podcasts like that. Yeah. It's so nice. Gives you that nice, warm feeling. Yeah. Especially when you talk about something so deep and intense over here. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, so last, last time we were together, we talked about the affordable housing crisis and how that is plaguing not only, you know, nationally, but it's such a big issue here. And another big issue that I think kind of plays into it as well is this term and so there, there's two terms that we're going to talk about but they kind of mean the same thing uh, and that's why we have Allie here because <laughs> lord knows i can't really describe them well. <laughs> uh but it, it's the terms are neighborhood revitalization mm -hmm. and then another term that we're going to hear it's called abcd mm -hmm. and that is asset based community i'm cheating here development i yeah. knew that asset-based <laughs> community development so ali andy what what is that what do those two terms mean yeah well they are complicated a, a little bit and i think there are a lot of um, misunderstandings about what um, especially along the lines of neighborhood revitalization or, or how to do neighborhood revitalization really well. And so, um, you know, with Habitat's work in neighborhood revitalization, we're going to talk about specific activities and things in, you know, neighborhoods that we're involved in. But I think what's core underneath all of that really is um, asset-based community development. And so um, what that means is, you know, you really, if you think about it in, in, in the sense of having two different options, if you're going to do community development or neighborhood revitalization, you could really approach it from a needs-based standpoint or from an asset-based standpoint. And so what does that mean, right? So let's break it down to something that is, is a little bit easier to understand. Um, but if you think about it from needs-based, that's very externally, like external partners kind of looking at the community as a whole and, and identifying a need within a community or within a neighborhood and just saying, okay, I'm going to go and, well, this one really needs this. It's falling into distress and whatever. And so we're going to go fix it. We're just going to go fix it. We know what we need to do because it's obvious. And um, we're just going to go deliver some services and we're going to go just fix the thing. And that's really needs-based development. And so when we think about asset-based development, it's really starting from the point of what is strong in the neighborhood, starting there and not looking at just what's wrong with a neighborhood. So looking at what are the assets in a neighborhood, um, getting the folks that already live there to identify, you know, this is what we have. These are, these are the strengths of our neighborhood. These are the strengths of our neighbors. We can't do it all, but these we're starting from a position of, of strength and, and celebrating those strengths. Um, and then asking questions around, you know, um, 
what they can do together, what what can they not do, you know, um, what are they what are they best able to do, and then what are what are uh, things that need to get done that partners are best able to do. So really starting from, you know, the gifts and dreams and concerns of the residents themselves, and building from from the ground up from within. Yeah. So I mean, just so I can kind of put two and two together here, this needs base really sounds kind of like this. Uh, like the superhero mentality. We're yeah. going to go in, we're going to fix it. All right, good, bye. Yeah. Whereas this acid base, it's really, you know, let's go in, let's build on what you already have, mm-hmm. and let's figure out how we can even make it more um, uh, stronger or, you know, I can't think of the word yeah. right now. I'm not the yeah. wordsmith of the group, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, Andy, yeah. uh, how does this play into what you and your team uh, goes out and does in the community? Yeah, I... I draw a lot of parallels between how we address a project and how we address a neighborhood, Mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of a metaphor to me of if I were to go to a home um, and as I walk up to the home, I can tell the siding's in bad shape. It needs a new paint job. It needs a new front door. If I don't allow us to go into the house and kind of have a conversation with the owner, but rather stop at the door and say, what you need is a fresh coat of paint, then I miss the opportunity to to hear the heart of what's going on and figure out maybe there's bigger issues inside the home that if you have a freshly painted house that fails them in another region or another realm, you're not really doing any good. So it's the idea of approaching every home and every, every project as the person in the home, not just the project. So it's going in and actually seeing them for who they are and then seeing if there's any way we can support them in what they view for their home and ultimately for the neighborhood. I, I love that. You know, that really, that, 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 that's a whole different viewpoint. I mean, because it's so easy to drive by a neighborhood, drive by a home, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that house is so dilapidated. That, mm-hmm. You know, why is it here? Or right. you And have a, a very negative connotation about a certain neighborhood. But when you actually get to know the people inside of the neighborhood and people inside of the homes, it brings a completely different meaning to that area. And, you know, Allie, there's been some, if I'm correct, some uh, – work of that done currently locally Mm -hmm. here in Waterloo with Habitat, if you want to speak on that a little bit. Yeah. So I think that, you know, this whole idea of, you know, I guess to speak on a little bit more of the differences between asset based and just neighborhood revitalization in general, a lot of folks will hear the term neighborhood revitalization and they'll kind of have a different idea in their minds of, well, this area has kind of gone down or it's blighted or whatever. So let's just bulldoze some things, build up some new where we see opportunities. And then we'll call it, like you said, wipe your hands and oh, fixed. Good. We're, we're good there. Um, so when we talk about neighborhood revitalization, I think it's really important it's important to us and and our partners that we make it clear that that is not what we're talking about. So um, when Habitat gets involved with what we call neighborhood revitalization, it really is based on the principles of this asset-based approach. So it's really starting with, um, you know, the residents in the neighborhood, focusing on the, the gifts and their, their dreams and their concerns and building off of that. So our work in this realm really got started um, a few years ago through the Walnut neighborhood in Waterloo. Um, so just to kind of define that is uh, Franklin Street uh, in Waterloo is kind of the southern border of that neighborhood. East 4th Street is the east border. 
Uh, Highway 63 is the west and Dane Street is the north border there. So it's about 85 properties. And they had been really doing some of this boots on the ground work for a long time, seven years to a decade or so, um, with some resident engagement activities and, and church involvement and things like that for a long time before Habitat really got invite, invited into the process. And so... Um, Really, it started by building relationship. So when when I know when I had arrived at Habitat and we started learning more about this neighborhood revitalization work and asset based development, it was such a huge undertaking. And and I I really learned early on the respect that you have to have for the enormity of the commitment to this work that we actually didn't get involved the second that it first started you know becoming more prominent as a as a tool across the country so we actually waited we waited for the opportunity where we felt like we were solid as an organization so that we could be strong in being involved in this work going forward and so that took a, took some time and so it wasn't until about 2016 that I started building a relationship on behalf of Habitat with an, an individual that was in um, that neighborhood. And we just were curious. So back to that idea of curiosity and collaboration. So I was curious about what they were doing. They were curious about some of the things that we were doing. And it really built from there to the point when um, they were about to have some listening meetings uh, with residents in the neighborhood. And to to go back to that that process of identifying, you know, what are what are your assets here? What are what do we have that's strong in this neighborhood Um, and building on that, identifying challenges? Yes. But then through that, you know, being able to name partnerships that might be, you know, might be healthy and beneficial for everyone. And so that was in August of 16 that some of those listening meetings uh, took place again in Walnut neighborhood through their neighborhood association, hosted by the association and the residents themselves, and where a bunch of partners and residents came together and really answered some of those questions and dialogue together. Um, And through that, they said, okay, we've got great history in this neighborhood. We have good um, relationships built up with neighbors here. We have some groundwork laid. These are the things that we have. We're close to downtown. We have some great things. But here's some of the things that we have that are challenges that we could probably use some help from partners. And one of those was housing. And so it felt like in that time we were being kind of invited into that process um, because we had the skills and the abilities and and we were set up to basically do, you know, some of that work. Um, So uh, that's been something that we've been working on with the residents um, in a, a collaboration with many other partners, City of Waterloo and JSA Development and the Walnut Neighborhood Association um, and Community Development Office for over four years now working in Walnut as one one example. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. So you, you said, I, I found it really interesting when you said, you know, we waited actually to join. Yeah. We didn't just jump headfirst right into this because there's there's a lot going on here. Yes. And before we even commit to this, we need to, you know, okay, let's make sure we have all of our ducks in a row. So I am interested to both of you, Andy and Allie, because while you're part of the same team, part of the same grouping, you know, Andy, you have this section over here, boots on the ground every day. Allie, you have the administrative portion of it. What challenges did you face or what obstacles did you uh, run into in your own respective sections? And Andy, you can start if you want. Oh, I think the biggest obstacle I faced, honestly, was probably um, probably in myself um, and kind of coming around to the idea and being able to, to look beyond the project and actually get to the heart of of why we do what we do. Um, I think I came in believing I understood it and believing I got it um, until 
to actually get some reps in there and still developing on it, honestly, because it is very easy to, to see a house and as a, as a construction individual want to just fix everything and just make it look pretty. Um, but realizing that if we did that, we could tremendously be missing the mark. Um, and I, I just want to add, you know, I think one of the, the ways we do our job well in this NR world or asset-based community development is when we recognize that we are a small piece of the big puzzle, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not habitat coming in saying, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we're going to listen to what your assets are and what your needs are. And we're going to help fix it. It's more, we want to see this community thrive. We understand it starts with the community, go to you guys, figure out what you need. And then who needs to be involved. We'd be happy to be involved on the housing side. I would love to put new roofs on and put new windows in and paint and do all that. If that's what matters, if that's our role in the bigger picture. So I think my biggest challenge was getting to the point where I believed that, not just said it, I guess, to where it actually felt like I could own it, not just know that it's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. I think for me on the challenge side, honestly, in the beginning was just this constant balance of uh, learning and education, being willing to fall flat a little bit sometimes, being willing to stretch ourselves sometimes, and being willing to push to get into the depths of what this actually means um, to levels that we truly had never experienced before. And so what that means is, is that sometimes at meetings, we're not just, you know, our, our wheelhouse had been, you know, housing, we can build a house like no other, you know, how, what does it mean to acquire property at rapid rates of speed um, in various different ways? What does it mean to look at not just the vacant lot in the house that maybe can sit there, but, but families and, and the existing families that are there and helping families that are choosing to live in the neighborhood that maybe can't be homeowners right now to maybe dream about becoming a homeowner and actually investing in the neighborhood. But beyond even that, thinking about the streets that people are walking, the sidewalks they're walking on, thinking about what amenities in this area are are they asking for that they need and they, they want that they don't have. So grocery stores, um, job opportunities, you know, all the things that are important to them and then thinking on the historical structures. So that's one piece that has challenged us is, you know, one of the assets that they identified immediately was the history of this neighborhood and the historical structures that had been torn down, you know, rapidly, you know, over years because of a lot of reasons, but that are still remaining. And so, you know, pushing and stretching ourselves all the time to say, hey, you know what? Habitat in this role is not traditional habitat. We aren't just coming in as home building solution. We are coming into this work as co-convener of a coalition of people smarter than us uh, (laughs) with skill sets other than ours um, that everybody has a role to play and also caring about the people so intently um, that we do this work right because there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with asking someone what their dream is for their neighborhood because if you're asking that question there's a level of commitment that you're making that you will do something to help with them to to help achieve that uh, that dream that they're looking at you know so um, just just peeling back all those layers like all the all the complications that you've talked about you know and that are so apparent to this work pushing ourselves to never give up, never stop meeting, never stop investing, never stop pushing, never stop looking for new partners, you know, even though a lot of the road seems very unclear. And I'd say for myself, and I'm really proud of our staff because this has taken a ton 
of my time, uh, energy, you know, and, and everything over the last four years, diverting it potentially from, I mean, I have got amazing staff leadership on our team that I don't need to babysit because I need to be able to be free to go and dig deep into this work. And I rely heavily on the staff leadership that we have to take care of their departments. And of course we work together, but I didn't need to be doing anything every single day, watching over everybody. They, they really are amazing professionals that run with it so that I could be freed to dig deep into this very, very challenging topic. I love that. I want to share you uh, this quote, and you both are familiar with this, uh, but just to the general population listening, now this is from Habitat International, and this reads uh, in regards to neighborhood revitalization, the ultimate goal of neighborhood revitalization is to improve quality of life, which is defined as a sense of well-being and happiness experienced by individuals, groups, and community. So, you know, when we go back to that, where, how we start with needs-based and assets-based, we're not just superheroes coming in. It's like, all right, bye, we're done. You, know, you guys are investing so much time. I don't think that's understood. Right. I don't think, you know, and I've sat in board meetings with you where you've come in, you're like, oh, all right. And, <laughs> and you just see the weight that is, that's, that's on you and in your shoulders and, and, and the staff as well. I mean, this is a very invested process. And I think maybe people could be taken aback. It's like, well, why'd you wait so long? Why, mm-hmm. why did you not jump in? I mean, aren't you trying to help? Yeah, no, we want to help, but we also realize the, 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 the multitude of issues that will now be burden us that we're going to try and not just put a band-aid on it and then leave you know we're trying to try and find a long-term solution here yes and and with that same thing as well you know when we talk about asset-based and neighborhood revitalization and we talk about the improvements that are made to the home have you experienced or maybe speak to are there any improvements made to the culture of mm-hmm. those neighborhoods and the culture of the people a part of those neighborhoods I can speak to that, and then maybe you have something to share too, Andy. But um, so one one transformative story that that uh, sticks out to me recently in that sense of the the culture of a neighborhood um, that we've seen is I will say that you know it took a while. It's been four years plus now in the process of of kind of uh, our our particular involvement over in Walnut, for example, and um, it takes a long time to get that momentum going. And I think about, you know, all the families and Judy and Laura and all the folks that have been involved there now for over a decade. And and I know that, um, you know, they'll tell stories about how they just, you know, they prayer walked through the neighborhood every Thursday for seven years praying for, you know, uh, with their faith-based approach, you know, um, praying for partners, praying for, you know, good things to be happening. And so I think that just speaks to the commitment of time too in all of this. So when we first got involved four years ago, uh, folks that have been involved now for over a decade and, you know, we started talking about, okay, we're going to, we're going to invest here with this neighborhood and we're going to, we're going to spend our time doing this. And, um, and this is going to be our focus. And so when we first started bringing the very first families through the very first ones that, we're going to choose to live in this neighborhood. So when it was time to pick home assignments and our families had hit their sweat equity hours and they were ready to, to pick their location where they were going to invest their lives and build and build a house or buy a house. um, There was a ton of trepidation from some families around living in Walnut neighborhood. 
And um, we we started to feel like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Like, what if nobody wants to live here and we're just going to be building these houses on spec? And I don't know if they're ever going to sell. And um, there was concern around safety and perceptions of the east side of Waterloo and all these issues. And we just said, okay, we're just going to keep going and we will find. And we started communicating. These are the locations we're building, guys. We need partners to come along with us. And then one family chose and then two families chose, you know, and then the third and the fourth. And all of a sudden now fast forward, you know, the last two years, you know, it was hard two years ago. It was really hard to find a family that wanted to choose to live here. And fast forward to today and a lot of the families that are in our program right now, this is their neighborhood of choice. They are here because they want to live in Walnut. They see the good things that are happening. They see the vis- the physical transformation, but they also are paying attention more to the flowers on the, on the corners, to, to the neighborhood association meetings that we talk about, to the amazing people that have moved into this neighborhood and the ones that already live there. They're getting it. And now this is an, an, a neighborhood of choice, which is just incredible. Plus, there's been economic growth and development. People are opening up businesses in the neighborhood. There's there's um, minority-owned businesses that have opened up that are, that are doing well. Um, there's just great things happening. And yes, it took you know years to get here, but but now you're starting to see that momentum building. So that's one way that I've seen the culture shift, I guess, and things change. Yeah, and if I can add to that, um, having worked in the Walnut neighborhood a lot and a couple projects there that, that do take quite a bit of time, um, we've got a couple of rehabs that are pretty in-depth, um, mm-hmm. cute little homes, but uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been stopped mid-work by a passing car of somebody interested and kind of intrigued of what's going on and then hearing stories of how, you know, I grew up in this neighborhood and it's great to see, you know, people are investing in it and see how homeowners are taking care of it now and how... It, there's just a vibe shift from an avoidable neighborhood and a forgotten neighborhood, if I may, to like vibrancy coming back and people care and it's amazing what's happening. And there's just a lot of good feedback of the neighborhood as a whole. I mean, obviously, I mean, we've done we've invested a lot of time and energy there, but as a whole, people are really shifting and loving being in the neighborhood, just driving through it, just kind of reminiscing on their childhood. But now the new, the new normal. Yeah. So, you know, we're sadly running out of time. Man, that. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's just getting warmed up. Andy's like, hold up now. I yeah. thought we were still on the intro. <laughs> Andy has a two hour, actually, a speech prepared, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be in a, in a special edition an of oratory. bringing it Exactly. An oratory, ladies and gentlemen, by Andy Conger. Uh But no. Uh, long, long awaited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one final question that I really want to touch on to kind of tie things in from what we discussed last week. You know, when we discussed um, the affordable house crisis and all of that, how important mm-hmm. is this ABCD, you know, asset-based neighborhood re- revitalization? How important is that right now while we are going through this affordable housing crisis? Let's start. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... It, it, I think you could do it a couple different ways where you could look at them as separate, you know, but I think we are at our best for the community as a whole and for residents to look at them together. So looking at, you know, a neighborhood that we're wanting to um, to be invited, you know, that, that we have been invited into the process, looking at the whole person. And so looking at not just the vacant lots and the, the property acquisition opportunities and stuff for the families that are in our program, but looking at the folks that are already living there and seeing 
you know, seeing the, the issues that they're facing and seeing how we can advocate for better policy. A lot of the issues that we've heard from or concerns that we've heard from neighbors when when housing would start to be built up and things in in the neighborhoods is, well, that means we're going to be, you know, things are going to improve too much and we're going to be kicked out of here. You know, so we don't want that. You know, we want to see, you know, a mixed income approach that folks um, that live there that want to be in that neighborhood can stay there, that we are advocating for good housing policies for uh, good land use policies for folks to be able to continue to afford to be in the neighborhoods that are that are improving so that we don't have to, it doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to have, you know, folks that um, are struggling with affordable housing, but they can't live in a nice neighborhood. That's the opposite of what we want. So we see them as tying very, very closely together. And that's also um, why this takes so much time and intentionality is like, it's so easy to just go ramrod through and just go fix something. It's so much more time intense to to think through every single phase of this work. If I am wanting to know more, to understand more about um, asset-based community development, neighborhood revitalization, where do I go? Who do I talk to? How do I get involved with this? How do I uh, be part of this solution to not only maybe fix where I live, but other neighborhoods in my community? What, What can I do? Well, I think um, if, if you're within one of the, the neighbors that we are dedicating towards, um, obviously we'd love to, to chat and talk about their involvement or whoever's involvement and talk deeper on that. But I would encourage anybody who lives in a neighborhood to to start by talking with your neighbors. Um, honestly, the, the only reason why Walnut, or I guess the key reason to me why Walnut is excelling um, in this, this ABCD idea is the fact that it started in the neighborhood. Um, it started with a coalition, it started with a group of neighbors, it started with the people, and then eventually it became beneficial for, for partners to come in. So just because you don't live in, in Walnut or Church Row, the key would just be to, to talk with your neighbors, get a group together, um, start a coalition, and start identifying what your assets are and kind of what what the next steps could look like. Because if you don't start from the, the core like we're talking, then it's not going to be effective. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's a great way to pin this conversation. I, I say pin it, not end it, because I don't think we're done. Oh, no. There, there's no way we can be done talking about this. Again, we have to listen to Andy's uh, two-hour uh, oration <laughs> uh, on this topic as well. So we're, we're definitely not done. But, Andy, I want to thank you for joining us today. And hopefully you will stick around because we're going to play a little trivia. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. So Allie and I are like one for one. I mean, not really one for one. We're like a half for one. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I mean, listened, so I'm Oh, aware. yeah. Oh, good. I was very impressed with us Jaqueline like I have to say I mean like I was I when I listened back to that I was like you know what we're smart and I got Linda B. Johnson right like, oh my gosh like I so fact checked you myself <laughs> after that I totally did I literally oh, was like listening to it myself I'm like he nailed it like yes. you totally nailed yes. it I could I, was... be, I could be at a presidential debate ladies and gentlemen <laughs> oh let's not get into that <laughs> Please our friend no. Nora, Nora with the N, is here. <laughs> Nora, please go ahead and give us our next trivia question. Okay, so we're going to go right into talking about neighbors. So Andy talked about how it's important to talk to your neighbors and get to know them. So 
um, a study done by Pew Research uh, in 2018 came out with a study talking about how neighbors know each other. And so what percentage of Americans do you think say that they know most of their neighbors? Yeah, I feel this is going to oh, be low. I feel convicting. <laughs> I feel like this is not going to be as good as it should be. Oh, no. Okay. What percentage of Americans feel like they know their neighbors? I mean, first off, I... Most I've, of their neighbors. Oh, I have lived in some very nosy neighborhoods, so I feel that. <laughs> I mean, the neighborhood I currently live in, if any of my neighbors are listening, I love all of you. <laughs> I literally don't know how you could live in a neighborhood and not know everyone, Ja'Kayla. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is also sad but true. I get around. It's all right. Uh, Andy, as our guest, what oh, is man. your answer? You know, I think it's I think it's okay if we give a range. Is that okay, Nora? Mm. Let's do like a five point range. Hedging your bets. Here. Yeah, That's of course. Cheating. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm gonna take the sappy it's positioning. route, and uh, I'm gonna go optimistic. I'm gonna say. 60 to 75, just because I'm hoping that's where Ooh, it's at. Oh, the that's, eternal optimist. Ooh, optimist. And it's giving hope. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna be like the, the Debbie <laughs> the Downer here. Yeah, I was thinking more like 5%. All right. I'm going to go with 5%. Wow. I feel like, <laughs> does anyone watch this right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, close is not going over. Uh, <laughs> has anyone ever seen that SNL skit where... It's. I think it's. I think it is Debbie Downer or something oh, like said, that. Yeah, I know. Where she will like say something. It's like, well, at oh. least you don't have a missing foot. And then she like <laughs> looks at the camera with the sad face. It's so funny. It's like the Eeyore. Yes, it's like, like Eeyore. Eeyore. Okay, that's me. <laughs> Love you, Alex. That's All why right. we're a team. We yeah. balance. <laughs> yin and yin and yang. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna say somewhere between twenty to twenty-five percent. Oh, okay. That's my guess here. All right, Nora, tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> Well, it is actually 26%. Oh! Yes! Darn, Jacqueline. People, here's the thing. The people that know me are like, there's no way he knows these things. He is looking them up. Someone is feeding him answers. Like, there's no way. Also, Allie has broken our set. Like, I just want to make that known. Allie oh, has destroyed my goodness. our I set. And I mean, can we first, I mean, we're going to I was it. so shocked by that answer. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. First off, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to the wonderful people of, at Nazareth, Nazareth Lutheran of the Christian Crusaders who have been so nice to us to let us use their studio, their equipment that Allie has just uh, destroyed. I mean, this is just. This is not going well. I, you literally, I, I don't even know what's happening right now. You totally got that right. Right, I mean, I did, and Allie was just so shocked. <laughs> like, ladies and gentlemen, if you could be in the studio right now with us, you don't want to be. You don't want to be. Oh, Andy is, Andy is putting his construction it, I management think, I'm hat on. I'm just going to hold it because this is not. Oh, you know, I think this is a better time than any to say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of oh. Bringing Down the House. But Allie's bringing down the studio. I am, and the house. And the like. house. We are going to say our goodbyes, but we're going to be right back here where you found us in about another two weeks with a whole new topic and a whole lot of fun hopefully did you get it andy <laughs> we are good to go now i see the true reason why i was invited today <laughs> oh i love it for all of us here i'm jacqueline she's ally he's andy we thank you so much for joining us and we will see you back here next time goodbye everybody